to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. I just can't get it out of my head, that Lions of Liberty theme song by my man Ron Branch. Be sure to check out his work over at drawingforliberty.com. And welcome back in to the Lions of Liberty podcast. You know, I've had quite a few liberty-oriented political candidates on the show. We had Dr. Murray Sabrin. Episode 30. We had Derek Grayson, also known as T-Mot. Episode 31. Both of whom, unfortunately have failed in their Republican primary bids, but I can assure you they have not failed in advancing the ideas of liberty because they are both principled guys that ran with principled platforms and ran to help educate people about the ideas of liberty. And they're going to keep doing so, I'm confident, whether it's through politics or through other means. And if you want to go back and hear our interviews with them, you can check out the archive, of course, at lionsofliberty.com slash podcast for all our past episodes. And, you know, even just a couple weeks ago, we spoke with Ian Freeman. Episode 48. Up in New Hampshire, who's doing something pretty crazy. At least it kind of falls outside the norm for libertarian political candidates. He's actually running as a Democrat against an incumbent governor. And he's doing so specifically to highlight the war on drugs. So, you know, there are all sorts of different paths people can take when it comes to advancing liberty through politics. And my guest today is doing things her own way. She is an independent candidate for Congress in Colorado's 3rd Congressional District. She's also the founder and chairwoman of the Colorado chapter of Blue Republican, as well as the founder and proprietor of Imagine That, which seeks to educate and empower individuals with information that helps seek truth and understanding about the actions of governments, political parties, and lawmakers. Tisha Cassida, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, to have you on the show and have this discussion because without my guests, it's really just me ranting for 30 or 40 minutes and, and nobody really needs that. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Tisha, why don't you tell us about your background a little bit? I'm curious how you first got into all this crazy, wild liberty stuff. When and how did you first become interested in libertarian ideas or liberty issues in general? When I was going to school for my undergraduate degrees, which are in marketing and political science, I was initially interested in both business and what's going on in government. Then when I graduated, I started my own business called That's Natural Marketing. And the goal of that was to educate people about what makes a community. And I I use the word sustainability, but that word has been kind of um, torn apart by the United Nations Agenda 21. So I don't use the word sustainability as much anymore, but the idea is to educate and empower people about spending money locally and how when you spend your money locally, the velocity of that dollar has a greater impact on your society, your community, your world, and what you see. So one of the events that I had through my marketing company was a farmer's market, and I was fought by the city and the county. They had different rules and regulations for my farmer's market, which was organic and open to all farmers, but it cost me money and time when I wrote to the city council and the city manager and the county commissioners about my frustration that being a small business owner and a young entrepreneur, why are their rules and regulations different for my privately run business versus the city um, publicly subsidized market? They never answered me. I got frustrated and I decided to run for Congress. So that was a couple of years ago in 2012. And obviously we're continuing again this year in 2014. 
Uh, so it was really your specific personal experience with not being able to effectively open your own market that really just first thrust you into the political scene. Were you at all kind of, um, you know, intellectually involved in politics? Did you have a political view before that? Or is this really what got the ball rolling? I would say that I was educated pretty liberally in the sense of you know, environmentalism and wanting social justice and social welfare. Not that I would not, I had registered independent or unaffiliated while I was in college. But um, as I learned about having my own business and engaging with the, the city and engaging with government and kind of uh, barriers they put up to being able to create prosperity, I definitely, that's when the impetus was to learn about uh, money. I learned about Ron Paul and ending the Fed and the Fiat Reserve note and then the bureaucracy. So, yeah, it was through that experience, through being an entrepreneur, that really opened my eyes to what liberty really means. Now, this is your second run for Congress coming up. You obviously didn't succeed in your first run in 2012, or else I'd be talking to Congresswoman Cassida. <laughs> but so I'm curious, A, why did you decide to do this all again? And also, what did you learn from your first run that, you know, might change how you do things the second time around? Well, the first time I ran was an incredible learning experience. As um, you and some of your listeners are probably aware, Colorado's third congressional district is almost the landmass of the state of Florida. So it's huge and it's mostly rural. The biggest county we have in the district is Mesa County. And in that entire county, I believe there's about 200,000 people. So it's fairly rural. And um, I learned about a lot of different viewpoints from people, but a lot of shared viewpoints. And through that run, we garnered 11,125 votes. And per dollar spent, we actually um, got 3.81 votes for more than the incumbent Republican Scott Tipton. So we were very efficient with the little money that we raised, and I think that was the one of the factors of deciding to run again is we already have 11,000 people behind us. If we can get those 11,000 people to convince six others to vote Cassidy for Congress, we can win the election. In addition to that, you know, we raised $35,000 last time. If we raised one hundred and fifty or $200,000 this time, because we are so much more efficient and because people are so friendly to our methods of liberty and common sense and government, we absolutely have the potential to win. Uh, people are so disgusted and frustrated with what's happening in Congress. <laughs> it's a great opportunity for independents or libertarians or unaffiliated, you know, whatever. A third party of anything besides Republicans and Democrats to, to run and to at least affect policy. Because by being out there and by creating these talking points, we are changing government. We might not win, quote unquote, the election, but we're winning people to the side of liberty and common sense every day. And I think that's powerful. And that's why I decided to do it again this year. Yeah, and I love your attitude about that because I might have even used a bad term earlier when I said you didn't succeed in your run because maybe you didn't succeed in the sense that you won the seat you were running for at the time, but you've su certainly succeeded in opening people's minds to a lot of these issues that you see as important. And I think that's 
I don't want to say it's more important than winning, but it's at least as important in winning when it comes to try to advancing the ideas of liberty through politics. We need to focus on the principles, focus on the important issues, because even if you're not successful in this specific run, this is kind of a, a longer term thing the way I see it. We really have to change the hearts and minds of people and the way people think about our interactions with each other. So I see great value in this campaign. Now, why did you decide to run as an independent? Because, you know, so many libertarians out there or people in the liberty movement, whatever you want to call it, a lot of them take the kind of, I guess you might call it the Ron Paul strategy, the taking over the GOP strategy, seeing that as kind of the best path forward. We even, I even a couple of weeks ago spoke with Ian Freeman up in New Hampshire, who's actually running as a Democrat, challenging an incumbent Democrat in order to challenge her on the war on drugs. So a lot of people have different reasons for running in one party or the other, but you've decided to just break away from that altogether and run independently. So why did you decide to do that? Well, I believe it's very philosophy-based. I believe in individual rights over collective rights. I believe in the power of the individual and that ultimately any organization or any political party structure eventually, as a collective, tries to erode the rights of the individual. I certainly have seen that with uh, the GOP because many of my friends are of the Ron Paul camp and believe that infiltrating the Republican Party is a great way to restore liberty in this country. It's just that I, me personally, I think that the party structure is incredibly corrupt and they will continue to change the rules and pull the rug out from underneath these people that think they can change corruption using the corrupt people's rules. So uh, although I admire and respect anybody running for any office that wants to have liberty in this country, I personally think that you can easily become corrupted and your movement can become corroded by a political party, even even something like the Libertarian Party. And I have frustration with that party because I have very libertarian principles and they have never embraced me or, you know, at least made an effort to support some of the things that I'm doing, not as a candidate, but just as a person in the in the Colorado that, that believes in libertarian principles. So I have my own personal frustrations, but I think everybody has their own path and their own directive. And I think that we should be supportive of people, especially young people, no matter how they want to do it, if they want to run for office, whether it's as a unaffiliated or as a Democrat or as a Republican, you know, we can win on every single one of those fronts as long as people believe in what liberty stands for. So it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I guess what's nice about not running in as a specific party is you don't come with all that baggage, whatever that baggage may be when people have predetermined views about what a Democrat is or what a Republican is or even about what a Libertarian is. You can just go out there as Tisha Cassida and say, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it. And, you know, here are the things that are important to me and, and not kind of have that baggage. Now, unfortunately, the Libertarian Party has, I don't know if they've rejected you or just not embraced you or what have you, but one group that has embraced you and or that you have embraced, depending on how you want to look at it, is the Blue Republican group. Now, we actually spoke with Robin Kerner a few months ago, a great guy to have on the show, really enjoyed talking to him, the founder of Blue Republican. So can you kind of describe how you first got involved with Robin, with the Blue Republican movement, and you know what it means to you and why you, why you associate yourself with the Blue Republican movement? Well, when I was running in 2012, I was lucky enough to have Robin um, come across my campaign. I had sent him an email months and months before he actually reached back um, about my run, 
but I had read about some of his articles and what he was doing and just wanted to offer support for his movement and his uh, willingness to bring light to what Liberty is and create conversation amongst people. So I got in touch with him on that first run, and then we were able to, um, as Blue Republican Colorado and my company Imagine That, we were able to bring Dr. Ron Paul out to Colorado, to Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction last September. So um, we did that as an event to reach out to people. I love and support Robin's movement and brand because it is so welcoming and um, open. It creates discussion and dialogue. Even his logo, you know, the with both the donkey and the um, elephant, raises questions for people and they want to know more. And for me as a marketing person, I absolutely love that type of branding. Like what makes people at least think or question? And what I like about him and his movement is that they are for the liberty curious. It is not about Republicans or Democrats or independents or libertarians. It is just about these talking points and creating discussion and dialogue in a nice, friendly, peaceful manner. And I love that. I love I love things that bring solutions and that are embedded in peace versus this, we've got to get them, we've got to fight, we've got to fight back. We've got to, I think that although, you know, I get it and I agree with it, I think it often doesn't win people to the liberty movement. What wins people to the liberty movement is being kind and talking and listening to each other about these issues. And, and so that's why I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm very excited and happy to be the chair of the Colorado chapter. Do you find any sort of difficulty when people first hear that term blue Republican? Do they get confused and think, oh, this is just like some other brand of Republican? Or are they have they even found they're, they're very kind of open to just learning more about what that is? And does it actually open doors for you? Um, I would say it's mostly all positive. The people that I have the hardest time with are hardcore Republicans <laughs> who absolutely hate anything other than their particular version of what a Republican is. But that is becoming few and far between because I think that that party is dying and they're very, you know, the, the energy is old. The, um, they're very, a lot of them are extremely angry people that don't necessarily embrace young people or embrace women in their movement for constitutional principles or what they claim to be constitutional principles. So for the most part, I've really gotten great feedback from the brand, even with Republican being in the, um, in the word itself, because it has blue in there. It's creating enough conversation and enough questioning that the young people and women, you know, ask me what this is about. And I tell them and they're excited and they, you know, give them the website and, I'm sure we've gathered interest from that. So I think it's been mostly all positive. Now, not only were you endorsed by the Blue Republican group, which is a great endorsement to have, you actually got possibly the greatest endorsement any libertarian candidate can hope to get, and you were actually endorsed by Ron Paul himself. So how did that actually come about? Because of all the other endorsements I've seen from Ron Paul, they've all been of other Republican candidates, you know, which is fine if, if, if you know, those are the guys he, he likes, but you're the only one that I know of anyway. There, might, there may be others that are independents that were endorsed by him. So how did that all come about? We had a very specific contract with the company that represents him, and no candidates and no, you know, you're not supposed to, bring that and make that a part of the event, which I did not. But um, I did mention to him when we had a little bit of time, and I'm sure he knew for other things that I was running for office. So when he was up there um, and after I had, Robin did his speech, I did my speech. And after when he said that uh, we should send Tisha to Washington, I was absolutely floored because (laughs) 
I looked at Rob and I'm like, did he just say that? So it was a, it was kind of a huge surprise. And I think that um, I, I believe Dr. Ron Paul is an angel. <laughs> I think he's more than just a politician. I think that he's just an amazing being of light on our planet. And so the opportunity to have him there for the event and get to actually have someone on one time and talk to him was a huge deal. And I admire and respect him so much. And obviously I think that he's planted so many seeds of liberty around our country that we're starting to see. Um, I just, I just wish that I hope that I can follow in his footsteps and be an amazing representative, however that may come about. And I hope that um, a lot of people in our generation do the same and I think that we'll be successful in restoring liberty. And just recently, he talked about all the reasons we should have so much optimism. If you turn off the television and all the, you know, awful mainstream media news networks that do nothing but talk about all the negative, if you just go aside and look around and talk to people, it's powerful. So that event and when he said that was probably one of the best moments in my life. And I'm very grateful and want to continue to work really hard to make sure that I do a good job of representing Liberty. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, you must have had to just pinch yourself on the spot to make sure you weren't just dreaming the whole thing, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I was, I, I, the whole day was just kind of like a dream. It was just uh, so much fun, and we worked so hard to make it happen. It was just, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about Ron Paul. I, I met him very briefly one time, but I mean, even just spending a, a brief moment with him, you can just tell how real and genuine and honest of a man he is and, and how he, he really believes everything he says and he just really exudes a different kind of vibe than the normal politicians. I mean, I've been around other politicians before and they just seem like robots. I mean, they just they seem like these <laughs> these models that were just kind of dressed up in a suit and put out to go, you know, spout their lines and it's just a totally different vibe there. I mean, he, he almost seems awkward in his role as a politician because it's not really what he is, you know, in the typical sense. He's really just someone who's interested in, in spreading the ideas and in being positive. And that's, I think, why so many people were attracted to him is not just, not necessarily just the words he was saying, but his overall kind of attitude. And despite all the kind of terrible things that are going on in the world that he was talking about, whether it's foreign wars or the war on drugs or, or what have you, somehow you don't come away with a doom and gloom feeling. You come away with, okay, great, this is something we can change. We have this in our power. We can change the world. We can change the way people think about each other. So that's what, I don't know, that's what it drew me to Ron Paul. It sounds like it was kind of a similar situation with you as well. Exactly. He's just real. He's a real person that really actually cares about people in our country. And it's it's so sad that it comes across as so strange and different because that's really, you know, what being a representative is about. It's being a statesman and having to move back in your community and not benefiting from your position financially and having your net worth increase hundreds of percentage points. But yeah, so he's, it's all, he's awesome. So yeah, it's the same thing. And young people, you know, you can see it. Young people love him. How many young people, like people that can't even vote yet, love, you know, even our current president now, or, you know, Mitt Romney or some of these other guys. It's just, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And I think that we can restore that type of practice to our representatives. There's really good people out there. We just have to give them, give them some time and give them space to put it out there to others. Sure, yeah, and and the young people thing is something that really strikes me because even now, I mean, a couple years after his last run, 
you know, I'm pretty tuned into uh, libertarian social media, and I, I see all these videos and articles, and some articles I'll read, and I, I won't even realize that they're written by, like, a 15-year-old. I mean, there are just so many young kids out there that, that are just so intelligent and so in tune with the issues, whereas, I mean, when I was that age, I was watching, like, pro wrestling. Like, I wasn't thinking about this stuff at all. I was just completely off the political map. I mean, I grew up in a Republican household. I think I probably just kind of parroted some of my parents' positions on things, but I didn't really have any serious grasp of issues or individual rights or any of the stuff that so many young people are just all on top of now. It's really amazing to see, and even more amazing when you realize they were inspired by a nearly 80-year-old man to, to do this. So Exactly! It really is fascinating. It is fascinating. It's it's a it's a miracle. It's very very neat. <laughs> Let's discuss your actual campaign a little bit more. Obviously. When it comes to the issues, food freedom, I'm sure, is one of your biggest ones. That's what got you into this with, you know, your difficulty in starting your own farmer's market. But when you're on the campaign trail, what are the biggest issues that are most important to you and the ones you want to bring up the most and kind of bring to light? First and foremost is money and what money actually is and our fiat federal reserve system and the dangers that that potentially has. For, for, for working people, I mean, you know, we, <laughs> me included, there's a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck just trying to kind of get by. So um, educating people about money and wealth and the difference between those two things is really important to me. Um, that's number one because it controls so much of our economy beyond the whole idea of job creation or the bureaucracies that we face with trying to start or um, grow businesses. Uh, secondly is the police state and the militarization of our police force. A lot of people in the thing of Ferguson is bringing more light to it. It's just very dangerous to have Homeland Security and other federal agencies supplying local police forces and training local police forces with military weapons and tactics. And I want to be a voice to stand against that. And people are very interested and they should be because it's it's frightening. And um, another thing is privacy, the whole NSA collecting massive amounts of data, these drones flying over farmers' properties, surveying, you know, how many cows they have in their property lines. It's just out of control. And I want to, you know, a lot of people, because it's more agricultural out here on the western slope in the third district, that's a, an issue that some people are already aware of and interested in, but we can certainly get more people interested in because of how it affects their um, operations and their daily lives. And then a piece, I think that our foreign policy and even, I mean, our foreign policy affects us internally as well. And I think that our interventionist foreign policy is not only um, unhuman and and very um, dangerous, but it also is expensive. And we're running out of money. Actually, we're out of money. So there's other ways to, um, in my opinion, there's a lot better ways to create a stronger, peaceful, more resilient, protected society, and that would be with you know having people's taxpayer money go towards things that actually benefit us as Americans and have people keep more of their money versus giving it to the federal government is doing a really bad job of spending it in the name of any type of development. So those are kind of the main things, and those are the big things, I think, for all of us right now. It's, it all goes back to how are we going to make it you know, how are you and I going to make it and have some type of income and have some type of retirement? You know, the American dream. We have to get that back, and how are we going to get that back with our current predicament? 
Can you kind of take a second to uh, break down the race a little bit? I mean, do you have a grasp? Uh, I don't know how the Colorado system works. I don't know if you've had Democrat and Republican primaries yet. Do you have a grasp on who your opponents are? And, you know, do you, how legitimate of a shot do you think you really have to actually win this race? You, how possible is that? Well, it's very possible, first of all, because it's a midterm election. So there's less people going to the polls to start with. But uh, like I had mentioned before, you know, in comparison, of the, it cost me $3.14 per vote. Scott Tipton, it cost him $12.01 per vote. So I got a lot more bang for my buck. If I can raise, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is a, I mean, it's it's not a lot of money in comparison to the Republican or Democrat candidate, but it's a lot of money for an independent who has complete discretion over how they spend it. A lot of the money that the parties raise don't necessarily go to the campaigns themselves. They can also go to other candidates or they go back to the political party itself. So being independent means that we are independent of any type of system to spend money. Obviously, my marketing is, or my background is in marketing, and we've done a lot of research on the district. The two biggest counties that we really need to win are Mesa County, which is Grand Junction, and Pueblo County, which is Pueblo. That's what, I'm from Pueblo, and um, we've obviously spent quite a bit of money that we've uh, raised already in Mesa County. I mean, not quite a bit of money, but several thousand dollars throwing a lot of money on billboards and reaching people. So we have a shot at winning. And um, the people that I'm up against are Republican incumbent Scott Tipton, and then the Democrat is able to happy at. And they both went through their primaries, but those are both the establishment guys. Uh, Abel Papier, I think, has just raised $110,000. He's not raising much money. So um, we have a huge opportunity to capitalize on disgruntled Republicans and almost equal number, 33% or so, of independents in their district. And then there's an equal number of disgruntled Democrats. So if I can get a chunk of each one of those categories, and when I go to events and we go around the district, we win people off every time. It's just a matter of having the money to travel the district and do this. Um, I think that we have, we have a really good opportunity, but that's kind of what I'm up against in the landscape. That's really a, a fascinating statistic that essentially these other candidates are spending four times as much to get the same, you know, same one vote that counts just the same that you're spending a quarter of the amount essentially to get. I mean, do you think that's just because they're just such large organizations? They're not necessarily doing the work themselves. They have, you know, maybe huge staffs that are just, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing, sloshing money around and and doing maybe the more of the traditional routes of of advertising and marketing their campaigns, whereas you are doing a lot of this yourself, I imagine, are really hitting the ground and really efficiently using your money, especially compared to the major parties. You don't have Republican donor money coming and Democrat donor money coming in. So do you think it's almost an advantage in a strange way that you actually have already run kind of a smaller campaign and you really know how to maximize the efficiency of your money? Yeah, I absolutely think it's an advantage. And, you know, we're doing a lot of different things with our money. Instead of buying television ads that the same people see over and over again bashing the other candidate, we spend this money reaching people about important issues like their money and uh, the constitutional principles and the authorization of our police force and, you know, having discussions. We're spending our money much differently than these guys do on how we market ourselves and how we approach people. So I think it's very powerful. 
table. You're not, you're really not doing anything, and you're not making a difference. But we are, and it takes time to build and to and to change the system that we have. So I I love it. I love what we're doing. I love it when people laugh in my face and tell me, you know, that I'm not that it's a joke, and that because I I've changed. I've helped people, and I've giving people tools that have empowered them and will make a difference in their lives. And I've got to speak to high school classes and I get to talk to young people and they love it and they love me. And that's, you know, just like Ron Paul, maybe, you know, you don't see it right now in the Congress, but in 10 or 20 years, you, you will see it. And I want to be a beacon of light and carry that torch. And you have to do that and you have to put people in their place when they tell you you can't. Because unless you get out and actually do something, you know, you don't know. And you do make a difference. You make a difference every time you actually talk to somebody, even if it's just one person. We've already reached thousands of people through our collection of signatures to get on the ballot. So we, I'm, I love it. And I think it's very powerful. And I hope that more people are encouraged to give it a shot because you, you do affect policy. Just like the first election in 2012, by talking about having pushing a lot of policy making down to a state and local level of government, Scott Tipton started talking about having the state government step up in places where the federal government was doing a bad job. So we did that. We helped influence his talking point. Right. I mean, that's a big thing a lot of people miss. I mean, I see a lot of libertarians that just eschew politics altogether, and that's fine if you don't want to participate in politics. I have no problem with that, but they almost, some people almost seem to try to discourage anyone from getting involved in politics, and that just seems so silly to me, especially when most of these people became into their beliefs through Ron Paul, a guy that did it through politics. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not, like you said, even if you're not maybe winning the election or, you know, winning that short-term battle, just the fact that you're changing the conversation, that's what something Ron Paul did so much of, you know, he's getting people to talk about the Federal Reserve, to talk about the war on drugs, to talk about the dangers of our foreign policy, and maybe you're doing that same kind of thing even if you don't win on, on the local level by forcing other politicians to change the way they're viewing about maybe the state's relationship with the federal government and, and maybe state laws regarding marijuana and that kind of thing. So even if you don't win per se... You're changing the conversation. That's very important. Now, let's just, you know, picture the best scenario possible that Tisha Cassida does actually win the congressional seat. Have you put any thought into what you can actually do on the ground in Congress, how you can, you know, what kind of bills you might put forward or how you can actually affect change legislatively? I think that there are a couple of people already in office that I could work with or hopefully be in office, like um, Justin Amash and... Um, there's others too. I have a list of people I've kind of collected that I like some of the policies. Maybe I don't agree with everything, but they're people that would be potential allies. Um, I certainly would want to put forth some type of legislation about auditing the Federal Reserve, and Ron Paul already has done that and created a great model and continue to try and push that. But one of the most powerful things I think that I can do as one person, as one congresswoman, would be to not try to do much at the federal level, but instead as a federal representative work with my state government and local governments to figure out places where the federal government is getting involved and figure out ways for states and county governments to actually step up and stand against the federal government when it comes to certain regulations and rules that affect agriculture or energy or education that are way overreaching and overpowering in their scope. 
I would like to stand to work with you know state legislatures and uh, county officials to actually stop the federal government from infiltrating and from being involved in those areas where it really has no constitutional authority to do so. And I think that would be very powerful. Well, Tisha, that's just such a refreshing viewpoint to hear from someone running for office because so many people running for office are just kind of out there saying, I'm going to do this and do that and do this like they're the uh, dictator of the world. Like they can just magically jump into office and do all these things. Whereas you're coming at it from the perspective of, look, I just want to enable other people to do more things and to get the federal government off their backs, allow people to work at the state and local level and that kind of thing. So it really is a refreshing viewpoint to hear from you. Now, Tish, I know you've got an event to get back to here, so I want to let you go. But you know, before we do that, why don't you just take a minute to run through every way people can get in touch with you, find out more about your campaign, get involved and all of that great stuff yeah our campaign website is cassida2014.com so that's c is in cat a s is in sam i d is in dog a cassida2014.com uh, you can reach out to our campaign there you can sign up for email um, for our email list we do have supporters all over the country including financial support so if you can donate $10, $25, if everybody that supported me donated $10 today, we raised several thousand dollars, and that, of course, could go to buy more billboards or more airtime. So little donations count and make a difference. And then um, if people like my message and my platform, please share it with your friends and family because you never know what other support might come from where. And um, we have Facebook and Twitter and all that. You can find it on our website. Tisha Cassid, I really appreciate speaking with you today, and I wish you the best of luck. Awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for the opportunity again. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Mark. We'll be back after a little break. Do you want your kids to meet the champion of the Constitution? What if there was an illustrated book that introduced libertarianism to you through the story of Ron Paul's amazing life? What if this biography breaks down complex concepts like Austrian economic theory, the dangers of the Federal Reserve, blowback, and non-interventionist foreign policy? What if I told you this book is real and available? What if I told you that school libraries accept donations? What if you donate a copy to your local school library and give hundreds of youth the opportunity to meet Ron Paul? What if you don't? Who will? The book is Meet Ron Paul. And you can get your copy today at lionsofliberty.com slash Paul. As Ron Paul has said, there can be no revolution without a revolution in education. Meet Ron Paul and keep the liberty movement moving. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at lionsofliberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. 
With a special forward by Ron Paul that has easy to understand questions and answers. Buy Set Money Free on Amazon.com. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, gang, we are back, and I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tisha Cassida running for Congress as an independent, a liberty-leaning independent, I might add, in Colorado's third congressional district and it's really refreshing to hear her view you know she's not trying to go to washington just just to be a legislator and come up with a million new laws she's trying to educate people she's trying to focus on ideas on individual rights and most importantly empower people to take back their own lives to govern themselves more at the state or the local level and every time i hear someone laugh off involvement in politics it really confuses and irks me because you know what is politics if not the discussion of how we should interact with our fellow man what if people that were against slavery back in the day said Psh, he'll never change this through politics well you certainly aren't going to change it through looking the other way and just hoping to wake up one day and hope that the slaves are all freed no you've got to speak out even when it's not popular even when it's not the party line and you've got to take action you've got to change the way people think and you're not going to do it by looking the other way by the same token today we're not going to see an end to no-knock raids that result in innocent people being murdered or maimed in the name of the war on drugs we're not going to see a stop to wedding parties being bombed in Pakistan and Yemen in the name of the war on terror by just ignoring it and wishing it away. We need to speak out, take action, and hey, if you don't like the political system and you think it's corrupt and always will be corrupt, well, it's only going to always be corrupt if you allow it to be. If we just let the corrupt people do their own thing with nobody there to challenge them, nobody there to bring up a principled conversation. If the system is corrupt, and it may very well be, you should try to change that system and get involved. It's only corrupt because so many otherwise good people allow it to be and look the other way. And I'm glad Tisha Castida is one of the people getting up and doing something about it. And we wish her the best of luck with her race. We'll certainly keep an eye on that campaign. And, you know, I, I encourage you all to check her out. I also wish you the best of luck with anybody listening out there with any methods that you might be using to advance the ideas of liberty, or maybe you just stumbled upon this podcast and this is your first exposure. Well, I'm glad you're here. I hope you'll keep listening. I hope you'll keep researching these things, and I hope you'll start to think about things a little differently as well. And of course, my last wish is just that you all will continue to live long and live free. Woo!